Good morning, everybody. My name is Margarita, and I feel that we need to say that again. I am no longer a slave to fear. Say it with me. I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. This is, this is who we are. Um, yeah, it just needed to be said again this morning. Um, I'll be reading our scripture passage today. It comes from the book of Mark, chapter 2, 21 through 22. If you're following along online, this is from the NIV version. Um, Dear God, I pray as uh, that our hearts and minds would be opened as we read this passage together. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wine skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins. The word of the Lord. God is good. All the time. God is good. All the time. So I woke up this morning and I decided it was casual Sunday. Um, so I. Uh, partly because my body is really sore. Yesterday, uh, my team had uh, my ultimate frisbee t- league team had a playoff, a doubleheader in the rain and cold and wind. And uh, I still think I'm in my 30s when I'm actually in my 40s. And so I was diving for a disc and landed on uh, my shoulder. So I can't lift my arm right now. It's kind of impinged and. My left, my body re- also reminded me this morning of my left hip soreness and um, uh, a turf toe on my right side. So I'm pretty jacked up, but uh, but in spirit, I'm I'm here and I'm feeling good and I'm 20 years old. So let's do this. Um, amen. But uh, let's take some time. I want us to take some time to reflect, um, think about. The last nine months, the last two years, what has changed in your life? What has shifted in your life? What is different uh, now than was uh, two uh, two years ago? And just think about the things in your life that have changed. God, thank you for today, and um, we are humble. We are broken vessels. We are limited um, people. And yet you fill us with your wine, with your spirit. And so um, I, I'm broken. I'm, I'm fallible. I'm imperfect. And yet um, you've put a word on my lips. And so help me to be faithful today. In your name, amen. When COVID came, everything changed. Phrases like uh, new normal and pivot have become common 
in our parlance. Um, and then in March 2020, our church decided, if you remember, to close uh, our church building and move to streaming our worship services. Um, and everything changed, it seemed like, um, uh, for me pastorally, for the staff, uh, for our church, doing church together, um, changed. We learned how to navigate Zoom, right, to connect with each other and have meetings. Um, our staff learned how to work cameras and lighting and make, turn the sanctuary into a studio. Um, thank you, Udi and Magdiel. Um, big job. And it was really awesome. Talk about pivot. Um, I... Maggie and I had to learn how to become televangelists. I told myself growing up, I'm never going to be a televangelist. The hypocrisy. And here, there I was in front of a camera speaking to thousands. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Maybe not thousands. Well, at least on the Facebook page, it said, you know, thousands of views. Three second hand, okay, whatever. Um, we learned about video edit, and we learned about graphic design, and we researched family D categories, and learned about engaging icebreaker questions. The worship leaders had to pivot, and their home offices became studios, recording studios, uh, as they recorded. Because of the disparities in healthcare and the loss of jobs. 
homes, and what kinds of types of jobs that people have. Essential workers who have to continue to show up to work, even under unsafe conditions. Um, and then we have the summer of protests and marches, standing up for black lives, calling out abuses of power in law enforcement. That's what you guys were signaling. I'm like, are they saying amen to me? Um, <laughs> uh, and our grocery sales, right, grew more sparse. The great toilet paper scarcity happened. Spam disappe disappeared from the shelves of the local grocery store. And I was raging, right? I was fighting that person for the last can of Spam. And strange things came out of my heart. Uh, on top of this, our nation went through a divisive presidential race. We chose sides. Fights broke out in the streets. Fights broke out in restaurants and stores over the wearing of masks. Asian Americans were assaulted in the streets because of the China virus. When COVID came, everything changed. And it's still here. COVID is still here. We're still going through the pandemic. We're still adjusting. Uh, and adapting and recovering. And we're still wondering, when will things get back to normal? And we're also wondering, what has ended permanently and will never come back again? That was COVID. When COVID came, everything changed. And in our gospel, in the gospels, when we open up our Bible to the gospels, when we open up Mark here in chapter 2, what we see is when Jesus came, what Mark is emphasizing is that when Jesus came, everything changed. Amen? Yes. Everything changed when Jesus came. The foundations of the world. And I lost my spot. Um, scrolling mouse tracker issues. There was a shift in the very foundations um, of the cosmos, of the earth. A change in the lattice work of the universe, of all life, of all humanity. The spiritual, physical, geological, geographical, social, political. All sinews of the world bent towards renewal. The hope of redemption. And the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus hit the ground running. As we've seen here in the early part of the gospel of Mark, and immediately began teaching with a new authority. Remember, healing with a new power, a new effectiveness, touching the isolated and rejected and unclean and dirty and cursed and poor in revolutionary ways. He challenged the religious and, cult, uh, uh, and cultural norms and turned things upside down. And the people continued to gather and swarm him because they felt the love and compassion. They saw it in his eyes and they were drawn to his authority and the newness of what he was bringing. So they swarmed him. And on the flip side, the institutions and the authorities winced and began to grow enraged. 
When Jesus came, everything changed. The universe changed gears. The kingdom of God was at hand. The kingdom pivot was in effect. Here was the new reality. Here was the new covenant. Here was the new hope. Here was the same great story of the love of God. But a new chapter was being written. A new epilogue. Here was new wine. Here was the new normal. Are you with me, church? Woo! And the gem of this little mini parable that Jesus tells, um, it's a little gem. It's sandwiched between two instances um, where both the people and the religious elite, the people on the street and the religious righteous, uh, find Jesus and his, Jesus' disciples' activities disruptive uh, to the religious order, to no- rules and norms and rituals, specifically around two things, fasting and Sabbath-keeping. Uh, first, the people, um, before our section that was read, the people come to Jesus and says, Oh, we see John the Baptist and his disciples. They fast, but your disciples and you, we don't see you fasting. What's up with that, Jesus? And Jesus kind of tells this cryptic, mysterious story about the bridegroom. And we're like, everyone's like, what, what, what? The bridegroom is here? And um, basically, what he's saying is that, you know, why do you fast? Why do we fast? We fast so we can strip away the things that, that, uh, um, that keep us from seeing God, right? That keep us from being with God. That distract us, whether it be food or TV or whatever. Whatever it is that's creating buffers in our lives. When we fast, we strip those things away so that we're more open and more vulnerable uh, to intimate connection with God. So the purpose of the fast is to be closer to God. And so that's what Jesus is saying. While the bridegroom is here, there's no need to fast. I'm here. If the point of fasting is to be with me, I'm here. Be with me. But a time's going to come when I'm going to be gone. Then you're going to fast because you're going to want to be with me. And so that was, that's why my, me and my disciples don't fast because we're here. And behind that Inherently is don't focus on the task, but focus on the meat of why we do the task. The task isn't the end in itself. The ritual isn't the end of itself. The rule isn't the end of itself. It's the purpose of why you fast, which is to be with me. And now that I'm here, hello, I'm here. The bridegroom is here. Party, celebrate. Drink, eat. And then after the wineskins parable, it's the Pharisees who come uh, to Jesus about questions about how he and his disciples were handling the Sabbath. Um, you guys are working during the Sabbath. You're picking grain or you're, you know, you're feeding yourself. And... Jesus says, basically, the Sabbath was made for people, 
not people for the Sabbath. Right? Like, why do... Why did God command that we keep the Sabbath? Right, what, what are the origins of the Sabbath? The origins of the Sabbath can be found in creation, right? On the, on the last day of creation, God rested. There was a rhythm in creation. And in the same way, and God works, right? God works. There's a theology of work. And then there's, a, there's rest. And there's a rhythm in our lives and our days. And God is saying, I want you to follow that rhythm. Because if you don't rest, we make work an end of itself. We make the things of our hands, the creation of our hands, an end of itself. And we get lost. And when we rest, when we take Sabbath, we actually sacrifice. We actually give up our work, our need to control, our need to accomplish, our need to get our checklist done and our fast. We give that up to God and we're saying, I give up my time. I give up my day, whatever it is. I give up this time. Even though I'm neurotic and freaking out and anxious and nervous, right? There's so many things to get done. I give that up and trust in you, God. So the purpose of the Sabbath, once again, is centered on God and leaning into God's grace, leaning into God's power and ability. It's not the task in of itself. Are you with me, church? So that's what Jesus, that's the theme in this sandwich. The two bread. Two breads is like, there's all these hedge rules, right? That the religious establishment had created. And it had become so legalistic um, to the point of ridiculousness, right? If you take this many steps with this kind of activity... That's considered work. And so you've broken the Sabbath. You can't do that. You can't touch this or help that person on the Sabbath. And it's into this kind of theme and motif that Jesus tells the parable of the wineskins. Um, you can hit the next line. Wine. Um... Jesus says, you know, nobody takes new wine and pours it into old wineskins. Because if you do that, the old wineskins are going to burst. But if you have new wine, you pour it into new wineskins. And basically the background for that is that, you know, they, the wineskins were made out of animal hide, animal leather. And the older that um, the skins became, the more inflexible and brittle they became. And new wine... Uh, has, I don't know, a higher... Something happens in the pH. Uh, I don't even know if it's pH, but pH sounds good. Probably. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, But new wine is like, you know, stronger in that sense. And so, uh, and there's, in the fermentation process, there's probably a lot of, you know, expansion and gases um, being released. So the skins need to be more flexible and more malleable. Um, whereas if you poured it into more brittle, like there's expansion and then the wineskins tear and rip. So that's basically Jesus's, um, illustration about this. And if we take it into context, what he's saying is, you know, and in the context of Mark, what we've talking about, the, how the people were so amazed 
that Jesus was bringing a new teaching, that Jesus was bringing a new healing, that Jesus was bringing something fresh and new, right? The people, the, the whole, all the villages and the towns that he went to, they sensed it, they felt it. He, he fulfilled a felt need that they were starving for, they were thirsting and they were hungering and he gave them water and he gave them bread. And that was the gospel, that was the good news. So Jesus was bringing a new covenant. Everything is changing. And if you take old structures and old systems and old containers and try to hold the same stuff that I'm offering, it's not going to work. You got to change your paradigm. You got to pivot because I am the new normal, right? We know this in the church. We know this in our jobs. We know this in the schools. That we have all had to pivot. There's a new normal. And unless you adapt and change, right? You can't hold the same. You can't hold things in the same containers and structures you had before. You have to change things around. But what is the essence for schools? The essence is that our kids are educated and love to learn, right? In our workplace, it's, yeah, our product gets up, we're visible, right? We're able to work together in our teams. Like, but how do you do that? In the church, what do we say? What did we say? Right? When people said, oh, the church is closing its doors. We say, the church never closes, right? We are the church. We're, church, we're closing the building, but the church is going on the church is everlasting right we're gonna we're gonna pivot and figure out how to be church in this situation in this context how to go out there whether it's zoom or streaming or whatever we're gonna figure that out we're gonna see what the spirit is doing that's pivot that's the new normal amen and and jesus is saying that like it's time to pivot why are you holding on? And the best illustration I could do, the modern day illustration, is to use my own body. <laughs> right? So, but yet, I, I'm stubborn. You know, they say like, you know, craziness or insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Right? And never, what is it? Like, expecting different results. There we go. Right? And so I'm 46, and I still feel like I can play ultimate like I'm in my 20s. And I'm playing against 20-year-olds. And yesterday was like a cyclone bomb, right? It was like, the weather yesterday was crazy, wasn't it? It was like sunny, and then there's freezing cold, and then it was raining and windy, and then sunny again, and then it rained again. And last night, it was cold. I was soaking wet. And we had a double header. And my problem is that my body has changed. And I still think I can do the same things with this body that I did before. And that I would just, like, you know, in my teens and my 20s, you you know, you play in a tournament, you beat your body up, you wake up the next day and you're like fresh again, ready to go, right? You do, I do that now and I'm like this in bed, uh, and you're sore for like two weeks. 
the recovery time is just not as fast, right? And I expect, you know, when I was in my 20s, I could, I don't have to stretch, I don't have to warm up. I could just jump into the game and sprint as fast as I can. Now, if I do that, I'm pulling something for sure, right? My tendons don't respond in the same way. My ligaments are weak. It's just horrible. And so I need to change how I play, but I'm stubborn, right? That's the definition of insanity. I keep doing the same things. I keep saying, I can lay out and dive, like chest tight, and I'll be fine. I'm not fine. I'm broken, right? I'm like, my arm, I can't lift it up. That's like craziness. And Jesus is saying that. Like, the body, the container is broken. The container doesn't hold what it needs to hold anymore. So why do we keep saying, the container, the container? We, we could have a, several examples of that in the church, right? The container, the container, all through history. Hymns, hymns, pews, pews, male preachers up front, right? This, this, that, that. No drums, right? I think there's a reformation actually happening in the church, right? There have been, uh, Isaiah and I were talking about this, like, there are times in history where certain inventions or progressions, like, create, like, big pivots, right? Like, and I, I said to him, like, the Protestant Reformation, you know what that was about? It's like, the printing press was huge, because before, not everyone had access to the, a Bible. And if there was a Bible, it was written in Latin. And so only like the, the educated pastors and priests, uh, the priests could uh, read it. But when the printing press came around it became, and there was mass printings of the Bible in the vernacular, in the mother tongue, more people had access. And all of a sudden people were like, wait a second, that's not what the Bible says. Right? And boom, you have a revolution. You have a revolution. So there's things that happen that push along. And I think COVID, this global pandemic, this reality, has actually, is actually changing. I'll just stick with our country. It's changing a lot about the church. And you see the church fighting within itself. And you see the church like whining and angry and like, oh, like vying for control. It almost seems like two different religions in our country. And the questions that are being asked are, what are the wineskins? And the question, the question we should ask as the body of Christ is, what is the new wine? Like, what is the essence? What is the spirit? What's the good news? that we want to retain or like be faithful and steward and then cut away like you know the junk like nationalism in the church like 
how did that get there? <laughs> like institutional racism in the church. Like the church is being, that church is the most segregated time on Sunday morning. Like, why? How? That Christians stand on this side of, or tend to stand on this side of immigration and not this, uh, not this side. It's, these are complex issues, but I think those are being discussed, right, and fought about. And I think in the midst of all of that conflict and polar- polarity, we got to ask, continue to ask, what's the new wine, right? What's the new wine? And how is my wineskin just not cutting it? It's just unable to contain what Jesus is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing right now. Are you with me, church? And uh, you guys, uh, people will hear more about this as time progresses. But uh, in 2022, I'm going to be going on a journey of renewal and vision seeking and um, just restoration and pivoting in my life and wineskin shifting. Um, And I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about how we as a church are going to step into what God has for us um, in the new year. Like, not that the pandemic is over, but you know, as we've been floating in the ark, Noah's ark, and we're like peeking out, is it okay? Is the flood gone? Is it okay to come out a little more? Like, when we do come out and set up camp, what's that going to look like? Like, what's the new normal? What are the things that we, you know, cut away? And what are the new things that we took up and, adapt, and adapted? And yeah, that's great. Like, what is our mission and vision look like in, the, in, in this new year. And actually, we, are, we turned 10 years old this fall, right? And our 10 years is basically cut into two, right? Almost 50-50 of Northgate Community Center and Linwood, here in Linwood. And so there's five-year chunks. Well, what is the next five years, right? The first five years... There was a certain context. There was a certain uh, uh, people that we were reaching. And that shifted when we came here. And we have completely new people. And we're reaching a completely different neighborhood. A different context. And so we, we built up things there. And now as we hit our tender mark and we look ahead like, now what? Now what does it mean to be renewed by God for the renewal of our neighborhoods? Now what does it mean to be a part of God's renewing the world? Renewing people. Renewing us. What is that going to look like? When we set up camp and start building our ministries strategically, what does that look like? I'm excited about that, right? And I'm scared. We should be scared. Right? If, you're, if you're doing ministry and you're not scared, right, you're in control too much. And then personally, you can hit the next slide, I think. Jesus moves. What are the things 
what are the containers, the wineskins in our lives personally that we need to let go of? That, um, you know the image, is it Jeremiah, of uh, broken cisterns? Where God is like, you continue to try to, con you know, draw water with broken cisterns. And you're drawing water, but the water's just coming out. It's like, let me heal that. Let me fix that. You got to fix the container. Like, how are we insanely continuing to try to scoop water in our lives with broken cisterns, with burst wineskins? Like, it's not working. How do we need to pivot personally? Like, let go of that thing. Those things that you keep turning to and it's not working. It's, it's, it's giving you death and not life. It's keeping you from taking on the new joy and the newness that Jesus has for you. The new wine that Jesus has for you. He wants to give you new things. He wants to renew you. He wants to transform you. That's what good news means. The gospel means good news. That means people shout and jump when it happens. And too much, too much. I spend too much time walking around ashamed of being a Christian. Like, oh yeah, we're the, bo we're the boring people. Yeah, we, we're against that. And we're against that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Take it on. Like joy. Life. Renewal. Redemption. It's there. That's what Jesus was bringing. And that's what he was saying to the people and to the Pharisees. Like, get rid of the wineskins. I have new wine for you. Amen? So in our lives personally and as a church, I want us to start reflecting on that in this season. And be ready. Be ready. And, and the one place I think is really important that is the art and discipline of listening. Right? Listening and being sensitive to discernment, growing in discernment of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, in the lives around us, and in our church. Actually listening and saying yes and going. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for that you love us and you care about us and you have new wine for us. And, and that's good news. You love us. And you have been doing a new thing. <laughs> Some of us are kind of tired of pivoting and being in new things. Um, be gracious with us. Give us hope. Fill us up with new life. In Jesus' name, amen.